I think a common thing is people don't ask for help enough. And, and I think that, you know, my generation doesn't, and I don't think your generation does. Welcome to the Big Picture Blueprint. I'm your host, Dan Habercost, along with Mason McDonald. And we're going to discuss all things land, real estate, and business in general with all kinds of exceptional people. Let's get started. What's up, everybody? My name is Mason McDonald, and I'm here with Dan Habercost, my co-host for the Big Picture Blueprint. And today we have the privilege of talking to a very, very unique guest that has all sorts of cool experience that we want to be just like when we grow up one day. But uh, before we get into that, Dan, how are you doing? Mason, I am great. The market is hot. I am selling, building, uh, buying some rental properties. So busy trying to close out the year strong here. How about you? I'm doing well. I am in a place that is hot. <laughs> I'm in Texas right now where the market is also hot, but it is uh, oppressively and abysmally hot out here. Everyone's air conditioning is on override and I'm very ready to get home to Colorado uh, where I see the highs in the 60s and 70s. But before I spend 45 minutes complaining about the humidity and the heat, um, I want to give just a brief intro to who we get to have on the show today, which is John Guaskin. And he is an executive advisor, business coach, founder, father, husband. But rather than sell you short, John, why don't you introduce us or introduce yourself to us and sell yourself to our audience? Yeah, I'll make it simple. I'll make it simple. I, um, I'm, a, I'm a business, sales, and productivity coach. Um, I, I help grow businesses. I help grow sales. And I make people a lot more productive. I work with solopreneurs to fortune company execs and everything in between salespeople, managers, uh, owners, executives, et cetera. And I, and my typical client are people who are very successful, but stuck and I get them unstuck and keep them unstuck. And, uh, and I love it and I love it. And, uh, I got a global business thanks to technology and it's great. Yeah. Very cool. And, so yeah. as a business coach, uh, you are not short on business experience yourself. And so we were looking at your background a bit, and I see you had some experience in the dot-com era of the 90s when the yeah. internet was up and coming. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that and how that sets you up for then a real estate career and then ultimately really a, a consulting and coaching career? Yeah. Well, the internet business was amazing. It was... Um, Partially good timing and partially luck. I just happened to graduate in May of 1995. And so um, graduate college. And and we started our company in June of 1995. And we just, I mean, it was, you know, I, the key was two great business partners and we each had our lane. And so I I did the sales and, and grew the sales and grew the sales team and responsible for business planning and things of that nature. Um, my brother was the creative and then our other partner um, kind of kind of did the day-to-day and and had spent time strategizing and 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 building relationships for for the business. And so we we really didn't compete with each other. We could complement each other if needed uh, when we needed to step in, but but the synergy of it worked. And so I would say um Choosing the right partners is really the key. Uh, next is know when to sell. Know when to sell. Don't be too emotionally connected to your business. Um, 
you know, we knew that the market was shifting and we had the opportunity to sell, sell our company. And we really weren't sure we were going to do it. And then we kind of went back and forth and we ultimately decided to do it, which was a great decision. And we actually, uh, the company that was pursuing us, uh, they flew in and we hired a CFO. We didn't have a CFO. We hired a, a financial guy to come to dinner with us as kind of our CFO to determine what we should do. He looked at all the numbers. He did everything. We went to this, like, you know, he billed us $600, which at that time, you know, we're 25 years old. We're like, yeah. I, we thought you were going to do this for free. <laughs> but, um, and he said to us, like, hey, don't sell your company. It'll be the biggest mistake of your life. And we said, thanks very much. And we sold our company because we knew we knew intuitively what you couldn't see on paper. We knew what you couldn't. We understood the the the, the undercurrent, the through line of the business. And uh, it was the best decision we ever made. It was the best decision. And uh, and, and so that I would say you always got to listen to your gut. And, and people talk about listening to your gut. But until you're in a situation where you really it's like, you sell the company or you don't, you really have to tap into your intuition and your gut because you don't want to make the the wrong decision. Yeah. But listen to your listen to your gut. Yeah. Absolutely. And I see you sold it in nineteen ninety seven, which is about halfway on the uphill climb of the dot com dot com boom. Yeah. So you you have no regrets of not waiting until the absolute top of the market. We got top of the market. I mean, we, Perfect. we, we, we started it in 95, grew it to about 300 mm -hmm. plus clients and sold it in 1997. And we were partners for, um, I think I was a partner for about two years before I could leave. And it was, if I, as I look back, it was perfect because we were the last purchase. We were the last company that they bought before they went into a, a blackout period. And then they went public. So we kind of got in before they went public. So it was it was a great opportunity for us. And had we waited two years, it would have actually been a disaster uh, mm. because two years later we were, you know, I my I was done and I could leave. And then about a year or two later, I can't remember the exact timing because I was fully out of the company, um, and all my stock was gone. I sold all my stock, et cetera. But like they merged with another company, Wall Street didn't like it, and they went bankrupt chapter eleven overnight. So you. that's so but to answer your but to just a little bit more, because this is important too. Mm -hmm. It was such a Agreed. it was such a manic market at that time. Things were, you know, one day was like a month. It was like things were moving so fast. I mean, it was like, you know, at that time, uh you know, a, a scroll across your screen was was innovative and cutting edge, and it was, you know, JavaScript, and it was crazy. So, you if you, if you did make decisions in the chaos, where you could then forecast and say, hey, something's got to change. It can't keep like this forever. Mm -hmm. It can't keep. So, mm -hmm. so, so, to summarize it, in my opinion, Mason, it's better to be a year early than a day late. There you go. So money, money now, money later. Don't, you know, you can't get greedy. You can't get greedy. And, and because when we sold our company, you know, we, we sold it 
And we were like looking at the stock every, you know, 400 times a day, you know, so we, we would make a lot and then lose a lot and then make a lot. And then, and so you just got to make smart decisions. That's all. Sure. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And I, I think people really need to hear that, uh, whenever there's all this doom and gloom forecasted in whatever market, because it's always going to be there, but you're the only one that understands the true ins and outs of your operations. Right. But John, so you were in your twenties, you got to experience an acquisition. You got to experience what sounds like seeing mergers occurring and then an IPO of the company that, uh, purchased yours. How do you feel like that both directly and or indirectly impacted your next career venture, which was commercial real estate? You know, um, it was, it was such a reinvention when I was, when I was done with the internet business. I, I started another quick side internet business that, you know, we started and then stopped relatively quickly. I can just speak for me. My, my, my heart wasn't really in it. I, I, that chapter was so intense, you know, hundred hour weeks for, you know, four and a half years of, of nonstop trying to kind of stay ahead of, of real time when it came to that piece of the business, because things were moving so fast. And so when I was when I was done with that, I I had always wanted to go into commercial real estate. Always, my grandfather was in real estate. He owned a um, he built residential homes. He had a company called Cobb Real Estate, and and I would go with him when I was seven years old to his spec house, and he would I would watch him kind of talk about deals and talk about commercial deals and negotiate. He was a huge mentor of mine, so I always had this kind of like burning desire to get into commercial real estate. And it just kind of like happens. I, I, you know, it really happened accidentally, you know, well, there was intent and purpose behind it, but somewhat kind of organically and the universe kind of handed it to me in a way. So I wish I can give you the story if you want, but, um, you know, but that's, yeah, we, we would love a story. (laughs) Yeah. Anything you can share. No, I, I, I had, when I had left my internet company, I, I knew I needed to take a year and a half off. I just needed to kind of recalibrate. Um, during that time, my mom had died and my grandfather who lives with us had died. And I was young and it was like, it was so much in my 20s. And so I knew I needed to take a year and a half off just to kind of regulate myself, get into therapy, go to the gym, sleep, et cetera. So um, after that, I, I decided I just wanted to be an employee and I got a job for one year selling internet services at this place called Quest Communications, which was a telco company. I just wanted experience being an employee. I you know, graduated college and you know, we just shared kind of that story. So I really, I, just for one year, I did that. And then I left there and um, long story short, um, I found out I had testicular cancer. And so um, fortunately it was stage one. I had 17 treatments of radiation and um, I was okay. I was able to have children and it was, you know, about a year after I got married, it was like a little kind of crazy. Towards the very end of one of my radiation treatments, a deal of my grandfather's came back to life and he had passed many, many years ago. And so my brother called me and he said, Hey, grandpa's deal came to life. They, I don't know what to do. I said, Oh, call this one guy that I know and uh, that we both knew. And, and they were going for sushi. So he's like, why don't you meet us? So I said, I can't, I have radiation. And then I can't like 
smell fish after. But I ended up pushing myself and going after my treatment that day. Met them in the parking lot. And he said to the guy said to me who was helping my brother, um, he said, what are you doing right now? I said, I'm, I'm looking for my next career in the commercial real estate. He said, well, you should work at, you know, such and such because um, I just started working there. And I said, oh, I don't I don't want to do leasing. I want to sell commercial real estate. He said, oh, that's what this company does. Long story short, I ended up getting an interview, getting the job, finishing my radiation, taking two weeks off and then diving into commercial real estate. So it just kind of it flowed and I did it for six years as a broker and six years as running my office. Wow. That is a lot to go through in your 20s. So it sounds like by 30, you'd, you'd exited a, or, uh, an internet company, uh, gone through cancer and, and gotten into remission and then ultimately started a or started it in the commercial real estate world. That's, that's incredible for uh, doing all that at such a young age. Yeah, it didn't seem young at the time. Sure. In hindsight, it was. Yeah. How old are you guys? I'm 27. Yeah. How old? I'm almost 29. Yeah. So I mean, it's like it. It seems you know, I, like you guys probably you it's you feel older than you are, and you're you know you're active, but you don't realize how young it is until you're 51. Sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Absolutely. So, John. I want to dive into kind of the coaching world. I spent a lot of time on your website and looked at a lot of the books. Um, one I didn't see on there, but that I love is So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport. Yeah. And in that book, Cal says, if you want to love what you do, abandon the passion mindset, what can the world offer me? And instead adopt the craftsman mindset, what can I offer the world? Do you agree with this point for yourself? Yeah. And how do you utilize this in your coaching business? You know, I look at myself as if I'm of service to my clients. I look at myself um, as a as as a servant leader, and that's the energy that I bring to the the people and the companies, corporations um, that I coach. And it starts with listening. I'm a really I'm a really good listener. I'm a really good active listener and a really good reflective listener, and I can hear and see things that people miss that are hidden in plain sight to me. And so I've, I've been able to make a business and scale it globally by just being a really good listener. And, and then you asked earlier, you know, where do you take the experience and then bring the experience and be able to adapt it to help other people by giving them real-time tools so they can put right into their world, whatever situation they're in. So because I've worn a lot of hats in a lot of different businesses, my own and others, I'm able, and, and I'm a huge learner and student, reader and seminars, et cetera. I'm, I'm somehow able to kind of take a little bit of everything and then a little bit of myself and kind of package it up to help somebody get unstuck. So yes, I, I, uh, I fully am in alignment with that. I just interviewed on um, my podcast, a podcast, um, Howard Bihar, who is the former, a former president of Starbucks. And we talked, the whole episode is about servant leadership, the whole thing. Yeah. Hmm. That's that's an interesting business. So you said you are doing this globally. So you have a lot of clients in other countries? Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right. And I would be curious because I, maybe you won't agree with this, but I tend to find in anything I do, like our land business, 
patterns, patterns that emerge. So I would be curious, it sounds like you're working in a variety of industries and then across different cultures across the world. But given that, do you still find consistent things most people are stuck on? Is there a consistent pattern you see there with your clients? Um, yeah. And it really is, um, there's a little bit of, um, universalness when it comes to depending on kind of, you know, what your role is, meaning, um, salespeople all struggle with courage, confidence, the ask, um, listening, um, growing their pipeline, prospecting, evolving their business when, uh, their pipeline looks great, but not planting seeds in case something shifts. You know, everybody, uh, when it, whether you're, you know, if you're a manager, you're struggling with um, hiring, retaining, training, making sure you have the right people, how to manage people, how to be a heartfelt leader, how to real, uh, you know, how to kind of live in a world where 95% of everything you do, positive or negative, has an effect on everybody that is looking and follows you. And then the C-level execs and owners, you know, leadership and feeling overwhelmed and having no one to talk to and being able to dissect and strategize. And everybody universally has issues with conflict management, time management, and getting stuck and being in their own way. Mm. So those are universal. It doesn't really matter, you know, where you're from, um, what matters is, can I customize a solution to get you unstuck that's specifically for you and not canned? And I can't, right? So, and so that's, that's, that's what, that's what I do. And that's why for me, listening has been something that is, you know, just really, really important for me because it's, it's ever, because even though it's universal, everybody's situation is like a, is a minimum, a smidge different. Absolutely. And, uh, I can't wait to hear that podcast. Um, looking forward to hearing it. And, uh, actually, yeah, it's actually a, a new podcast. Um, my podcast, think business, which Dan, I know you're going to be on Mason. I'm not sure if you're going to be with him, but, um, uh, this is a, my podcast. It's called launch three, mm -hmm. which is a new company that I'm starting. Um, which is, uh, a coaching platform only for 16 to 28 year olds to help them evolve their life, personal brand and career. So they're really have the tools for the real world. Um, financial literacy, sales, conflict resolution, leadership, um, how to prep for an interview, what a bank, how to get a mortgage. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Howard Behard I was, was sharing with us. He's going to be a we're going to have guest speakers every Wednesday. We're going to, I mean, it's just the program is going to be outstanding. Um, and the podcast, Howard was my first guest on the Launch 3 podcast and my first guest 2,000 episodes ago on my Think Business podcast. So he's an amazing, amazing human being. Oh, wow. And uh, by the time this podcast comes out, uh, Launch 3 will be live. And make sure to take a look in the show notes at that because everything you're saying, everything we're talking about, uh, I think John, Dan, and I will all agree, even though John, Dan, and I are all pretty young, um, we we wish we had gotten started probably a lot earlier. Uh, well, that's the, that's the foundation of it. When my when I was 18, my dad gave me a set of tapes that's by Brian Tracy. And he said to me, Jonathan, I think you'll learn more from these people than you will college. And then just through, like, you know, again, the universe kind of created this business partnership I have because 
a guy that I know wrote something on the internet. I loved what he wrote. I had him on my podcast. I told him about this passion project. He said he had the same one. We collaborated, started a business. Goes back to what I talked about when I, with my internet business. Like when you find the right business partner, uh, it's been it's been incredible, and everything's in alignment, and you share the same values. Things just begin to happen fast. But we both want to kind of we both have the foundation of wanting to give people the skill sets and the tools they need. I mean, we're going to be doing meditation um, sessions. We're going to be doing you know um, ask us anything on LinkedIn, so we'll we'll answer anything that they need. And we priced it at a price where it is very um, affordable to everybody to never leave. They can if they want. It's month to month, but it's going to be great. That's exciting. It's it's cool to see how many ripple effects that uh, you've already had in your business and life. But what this is going to do is, uh, to not sound grandiose, potentially change the world. And we love that. John, I, w- I want to spend a little bit of time chatting about leadership. Uh, you mentioned servant leadership. I'm obsessed with all sorts of different evidence-based yeah. leadership. Uh, Quint Studer is one of my favorite writers in the space. And um, so I think a lot of our listeners are the solo entrepreneur or maybe have one or two business or employees in their, their small business. How would you tell someone that has no employees ter- directly under them that they should approach leadership in their business? Well, one, you need to know who you are as a leader, right? You need to be in alignment with yourself, your soul, your values, your personal mission, your personal purpose and light. So when you're there, things flow through you naturally. The universe is on your side. When you don't know who you are and you don't know what you stand for or your values or your mission, then you really can't surround yourself with the right people that are in alignment with who you are. It doesn't have to be identical, but but you want to kind of like so you get it, you go into companies and they say, Oh my God, all of our people are, you know, the wrong people. Well, you can reverse engineer typically to um, a lack of identity of the owner, especially in a solopreneur, right? Because you're 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 desperate to hire someone or you have an idea or a concept. And so you start a business and you don't do the fundamentals of doing a self-check of who you are. Who are you as a leader? What do you want? What are your values? So you hire the first person that walks in the door and then the second person and then the third. Now all of a sudden you have a team of seven people. Once the seven people go to from nine to 10 in double digits, it's a whole other world. And and everybody's out of alignment and you can't get them to get in alignment because you hired the wrong people who were out of alignment with your everything we just talked about. And so as a solopreneur, you have to, know who you are. You have to be able to surround yourself with mentors and coaches who can give you feedback that you can actually take and you surrender to the process. It's, you know, you know, sometimes it's, it's interesting, like nobody is raised thinking they need a business coach. You know, you know, you need a, an accountant, a, an attorney, a, a CPA, but a business coach is someone that gives you Real feedback. You know, I'm I I started a business of just being myself. I don't I don't care if anybody, you know, I have no contracts with any client ever. It's month to month. That's the way I like it. I don't want anybody feeling stuck with me. But I also, and I do it in a kind and loving way, I don't ever hold back because if they don't like what I have to say, then don't work with me. Because if you don't like what I have to say because it's it comes from a heart place and it's true, then I don't want to work with you. So, so, so 
owners and solopreneurs have to be um, open to feedback. They've mm-hmm. got to be in a vulnerable place. That's why they, I'm not even really promoting myself, even though it sounds like I am. They need a coach. They need the mentors. They need people that will be real with them. And they need to do you know everything we just talked about. There's a lot more, but that's a starting point. And that's such a good point because we can't see our own blind spots because so many of them are things that we have accepted as fact when maybe they are not. So in our mind, you know, they're, they're not changeable. And so it's funny, Mason and I, we kind of help hold each other accountable. We, we do a call every Monday morning. And so often we joke that if I just told Mason what to do, things would be very easy and vice versa. Cause we're both just looking from the outside in and it's less emotional because we can see each other's blind spots. Like, Hey man, you said that five times you need to go do this and vice versa. And so, yeah, that's what I, part of what a business coach can do for somebody. Yeah. Oh yeah. And John, I, I think for, to summarize it for a lot of the uh, real estate people that we have listening is don't build a house. If there's no foundation, if you're the solo entrepreneur, if you're the business owner and you have lots of issues with yourself and your business, don't try to stack on top of it to solve the problems. Look at yourself and look in the mirror and recognize that another person, another partner that matches your personality and integrates well into the company can change it, but you've got to look at yourself um, yeah. first before you, you start to build. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. I agree. I agree. One more thing you said too, when you're a, a solopreneur and if you go out and hire and you hire the wrong people because you haven't established number one, the culture, but also clarity around the roles uh, you're hiring for, that can cause problems. And I have made this mistake in my own business where one of my acquisition managers when she was new, said, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm hitting, I'm not sure if I'm doing good, right? I did not do a good job of setting very, very clear expectations, KPIs. So she knew whether or not she was doing a good job and I've gotten much better there, but that just kind of resonate. Everything you said resonates with me. It reminds me of that because I didn't have a clear enough box for her and clear enough KPIs and targets to hit for her to know whether or not she was doing good. And she was doing good. Uh, so yeah, that's an example of that in my own business. Yeah. Yeah. Most, most leaders don't give feedback, um, highly enough. And so if you're not having one-on-one meetings with all your people every week, doesn't mean they have to be long. They can be three minutes or five minutes, but it's a checkpoint. And without one-on-one meetings, uh, it just, it's just easier for things to, um, the unknowns and the gaps to kind of sneak in. Absolutely. Because employees in general, they want to do well. And the barrier to them not doing well is they don't understand what their job is. They don't have the resources to do their job and they don't receive enough ongoing feedback to actually execute on it. Right. So uh, it's it's all great points that everyone needs to look at whenever you are the solo entrepreneur because yeah. you are the employee as well. So hold yourself accountable and all that yeah. kind of stuff. And John, to continue kind of talking about your coaching business, but more also, your consulting uh, that you do whenever you come into an organization. So I'm, I'm bringing you back to books, and I think it's just because you have uh, so many books on your list on your website that I really, really like. Yeah. Uh, so two quotes here. The more important your cheese is to you, the more important you want to hold on to it. And and which is from... Uh, by one of my favorite books and then from another book 
uh, that is the management Bible in my mind is first who, then what? We expected that good to great leaders would begin by setting up new vision and strategy. We found instead that they got the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus, and the right people in the right seats. And then they figured out where to drive it. Yeah. The old adage, people are your most important asset, turns out to be wrong. People are not your most important asset. The right people are. And I want you to give us, to go back to story time, uh, tell us about a time that you had a, a CEO or a founder that you were a coach for or a business that you were consulting with. Um, and they were the wrong person in the wrong seat and how you had those conversations with them, how you approached it, knowing that, uh, they cared about that cheese very, very much. Yeah. You know, it's, um, it's an interesting uh, thing because sometimes people are the right in the right seat, but, but time happens. And then as, as the companies begin to scale, um, and grow, they find themselves that what they could do two years prior, they can't take the company to the next level. And I would say, you know, I'll, I'll kind of zoom in on a, on a couple stories where having some tough conversations with people that, you know, you, you were a C-level exec, but, but, but to grow the company to where you want to, you gotta, you gotta think people and client centric. Right. Who and, and and let's look at your skill set and let's kind of pair it up against somebody else that can elevate at a higher frequency, at a higher vibration that maybe you can't get to at this stage of the career. So so it's it's I think it's it's a very sensitive those are very sensitive talks, but it depends on complacency and where people want to go and how people want to grow. And kind of zooming out and knowing what's best for the business, what's best for the people. Um, and those conversations and those movements take a lot of courage. They take a lot of courage, which I think is one thing sometimes people lack, right? They lack courage because their egos get in the way. But you you see a lot of people where, you know, CEOs or any C-level exec, they kind of step aside because they kind of have had their moment. They've had their time. The best companies, I work with a lot of companies who live this, who live in succession planning. And that's the ideal way to live, where you are growing the people under you on a continual basis. You know it and they know it. So the expectations are set. That's ideal. That's the ultimate servant leadership, right? I've got a high level position but I'm training you and in the next three years, you're going to have my position. And that's, that's I think, what we're going to start seeing more companies move to because we're seeing people who want to move to different companies, right? Your generation doesn't want to be at a business for 30 years. Your generation doesn't want to be at a company for 20 years. You know, I'm in Detroit. It's very common that a lot of people here, you know, they work for the big three for 30, 40 years and they get their pensions and Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. And so it's really, really, um, it's really, really important to kind of determine, like, hey, let's look at the landscape of where people are. You've got an amazing team, but this team isn't going to be with you more than three, four years if they don't see growth in the organization and if they don't see where they're going. So you have to 
You have to build that if you don't want turnover, if you want these people to stay. It's a, it's a choice. It's a choice. Absolutely. John, what does it mean to be courageous? Uh, it means to, it means to feel the fear and do it anyway, but, but not to be, um, rough and tumbly for the sake of being rough and tumbly. Um, it's not to do it, to be an asshole. Um, if you can align, be in alignment and be in your heart when you do things and you have the right intents, then you have to, you have to do things that are difficult especially as a, as a CEO, uh, especially as an owner of a company, you have to make tough choices. Um, you have to make tough decisions at times, but if your intent is always clean and you're not trying to BS and BS and this, then your people will rally behind you. Maybe not a hundred percent of them, but you know, one of the things and, um, uh, Howard Bihar was sharing this story. He shared it with me many, many years ago, um, and he shared it with, I asked him to kind of um, uh, share it with me today when, when I interviewed him with my business partner, David. And I won't, I'll let people listen to the launch three episode once it goes live, but I'll, the, 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 the extraction of what he said is only the truth styles like the truth. Yeah. And that's leadership. And if you have intent, and you and you come from the heart. Here you go. Only the truth sounds like the truth. People aren't stupid. Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah. that's very true. To, I'm kind of laughing. You're not laughing, but it 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 makes me smile hearing you talk about this because so much of the progress I've made personally in my business had been on the other side of something I was scared of. It it required weeks or sometimes months of having a you know pit in my stomach because I was doing something uncomfortable. You know, most of what we want in life is on the other side of dealing with that feeling and, and doing it anyways. And really in every aspect of life, but certainly in business, I feel that way right now with some of what I'm working on. So uh, I love that. And having difficult conversations with employees is a, a great example uh, of that. Yeah. 100%. So Mason, when he was talking about having those conversations with the CEO, I couldn't help but think of what you said to me about that personality test and what it told you. You want to share that? Oh, yeah. I think... Uh, personality test. The culture index. And we we both love personality tests, whether it's in our business or personal life. You know, all of them. StrengthsFinders 2.0 and yeah. Myers-Briggs is kind of just more funzy, but... Uh, Dan gave me this culture index and I got this, uh, I got this result called the rainmaker, which is something that said this person creates 80% of the sales in the company. They are, uh, the one that is driving the business. They drive top line revenue, but they're going to hold it back because they're not detail oriented and they don't follow through on certain things. And he gave me that result at the gym when we were working out. I was just like, damn it, I need to hire someone then because I am the person holding back my business. It's it's me. I, I'm the problem, to quote uh, the greatest artist of our generation, Taylor Swift. And um, it's uh, I, I think it's necessary to sometimes look in the mirror and figure out how important it is to see if you are in that right position, you know, the right seat 
the bus is going in the right way. And I think from a leadership perspective, whether you're, when you're in a large organization, similar to what my background was, um, my favorite leadership book, because I keep talking about books is the leadership challenge. Uh, um, and the first thing is in that book is model the way and clarify your values. And you need to make sure that you're doing that from the front end, whenever you're bringing on employees, when you're talking about everything, because whether it's a negotiation and a deal or bringing on an employee or firing an employee, if they don't align with your values and what the organization's values are, uh, the bus is going to stop moving. So, uh, I recognized I was doing the wrong thing by being in that role and I fired myself uh, from it and my business is thriving because of it. So, right. uh, thank you, Dan, for punching me in the ego gut mm -hmm. and making me realize that it was time to, uh, time to evolve and level up because that's what I had to do. Good. That's great. That's great. Yeah. I think those personality tests are, they, they can be very eye opening. Um, and, and they're fun to take. I, I like I love taking as many as I can. Yeah, that one is is really good. It it definitely uh I took that in college initially when I was still working for somebody else and good and bad, it fully exposed everyone, I think. So uh it's very useful. And that was the most spot on of the ones I've taken. Anyways. Well right. John, you've got a lot going on. You have several decades of business experience uh from the tech uh, the tech boom in the 90s to 12 years in commercial real estate to consulting at a very high level. Anything else you want to say? Any other questions we should have asked that we didn't, anything we didn't hit off? I mean, I'll just share a couple things. Um, I think it's important to, you know, um, move through business and life with humility. Um, never believe your own PR. You know, you you gotta, you know, to me, I'm I'm 51. I have some friends that are talking about slowing down, I feel like I feel like I'm like just ramping up. You know, I, I feel like I have so much more in me to do. Uh, I, I mean, I don't think I'll ever retire. I love, I love using my, my brain and working and, you know, and, and want to just keep on doing what I love to do. But I think one of the biggest things, and you asked this earlier, you know, um, what's a common thing? I think a common thing is people don't ask for help enough. And, and I think that, you know, my generation does it and I don't think your generation does. And your generation is, um, probably, well, for sure, smarter with technology and more advanced with technology. Your generation taught your parents about technology. And so, so there's, there's also, I think, uh, you know, um, something in that where it's, it's, you were giving a lot of help, maybe not asking for as much help. And so I see this universal piece of people just not asking for help. So what I would kind of recommend to everybody is ask for more help, mm. ask for more help. You know, you can go to Google and you can study it and you can research it, but the soft skills, the nuanced things, you know, you can, you know, sometimes I coach people and I help them with something and They've been struggling with it for seven years. I said, well, why don't you try it like this? They're like, oh my God, that'll save me 300 hours a year. I said, well, why didn't you ask for help seven years ago? Right? You've hated doing this for seven years, but people aren't wired to ask for help. or or, or so, so people just kind of go through the motions and get in their own way. So I would say in closing, just surrender to you know being a constant student and teacher, but also no one to ask for help. 
That's excellent. That's that's good for keeping the ego in check and, and good for learning from others. Um, guys, Launch 3, if you are 16 to 28-ish years old, check it out. Uh, John certainly knows what he's talking about. I would imagine uh, if I had met him when I was 16, I would be much further ahead. Uh, anything else on, on Launch 3, John? Launch three, no. People can go to launch-three.com for that piece. And then for my other, my coaching business, uh, johndwaskin.com. Excellent. Well, Mason, anything you want to say? No, I don't think so, John. This has been a ton of fun. I feel like uh, we could have conversations for hours and hours. Uh, Everyone, make sure to go check out those websites because whether you are in real estate or healthcare or any organization, uh, it is so it is so necessary to look at getting a coach and having someone identify the blind spots yeah. because all it takes is someone that doesn't have bias, uh, that has a slightly different approach to you to change your life and change your business. And with that, John, it's been amazing having you. Thanks, uh, this has been a lot of fun. And For Dan Haberkost and Mason McDonald with the Big Picture Blueprint, we're signing off. Thanks, everybody. And that's it for today's episode of the Big Picture Blueprint. If you found it helpful, please share it with your friends or anyone you think that it could benefit. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating, and we'll see you in the next episode.